0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Zouder of Further Still Ministries. How are you doing today, Kurt? Chad, doing mm. Superman. Good. You're doing Superman? Uh, Superman, doing mm. awesome. Good. Yeah. Good to hear.
1: Got a little scratchy throat, but you know, that, that, that just goes with this uh, this weather and, it Makes you know,
0: for a good radio voice. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're just tuning in, I apologize. Oh, We're sorry for that. <laughs> but this is Solid Steps Radio. We are a show for men, by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. And if you want to hear any of our past episodes, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, or you can go to SoundCloud.com. You can go to iTunes and you just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you'll see us. And you can hear all of our past shows. We've talked about everything. We cover the gamut. Last week we had a couple uh, athletes on. Depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to a podcast, but. If you're listening on the radio, we had a couple of athletes on last week. We had a perform a former uh, NFL player, and we had a former PGA and current Champions Tour player, Ted Schultz and Amos Martin, and that was a great show. So we had actually a bonus segment on there too. So go to our Facebook page, go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, and listen to that. It was great. But we are all continuing that sports theme today, but we with a are a little bit different twist. You know, last week we talked to a couple of athletes who rose up the ranks to we planning playing in the Masters and playing in the Super Bowl, and he had the Super Bowl rings to prove it. But this week, we're taking a different twist, but no less dramatic and really no less great in regards to the human story, the element of, of being a good man.
1: So, yeah, Jim Hamilton's with us today. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's, uh, it's a, a treat to have you. Uh, I've heard this, um, a little bit of uh, your story uh, from Chad, and uh, so we're excited to, uh, but, but tell us a little bit. You, you've been married uh, to Jill for how long? For 18 years. 18 years you've been married, and how many kids you got? We have five kids. Five kids. Yep. Age, uh, your oldest is? Your 13 birth- today. 13 oh, today. today. Oh, so cool. Happy yep. birthday. Yep. And, Happy birthday, Jake. Uh, okay, then
2: 13, then what? Then 10, then 8. Five and three, so four boys, and the second to last is a little girl. The five-year-old
1: is a little girl. We need to pr- just pray for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> both, I do both appreciate of you got... that. <laughs> yeah, I got nine, eight, three, two, one. Oh wow! <laughs> so we're right there, kind of tight. Yeah, um, I think we could have a basketball game later today. <laughs> hey, we could do that. <laughs> we could do that for sure. Uh, Jim, you are you are not from Louisville. Uh, you're from where? I grew
2: up in Arkansas, mainly the northwest corner of the state. Uh, but there are about eight different towns across the state of Arkansas I could tell you about. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad was a basketball coach. And, um, you know, sometimes we moved because there was a better job. Sometimes we moved because it was time to move on. <laughs> so, so, you know, I get it. It was a great experience. I, I got to meet new friends and, and uh, experience new situations and, and learn how to, how to get along. It was a great, a great way to grow up. That's, um, and you get uh, th- you said three siblings? Right. So I'm the oldest of four. Um, I have a a sister who's married to a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force who's teaching at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And then another sister who's married to a guy in the financial industry out in San Diego. And then my uh, youngest, the youngest, my little brother, is, he's not little, he's actually bigger than I am. (laughs) Um, He's about 6'6", and probably weighs, he's well over 200 pounds now. Um, He is down in Houston working in sales related to the oil industry.
1: Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. He's a Texan, a big Texan, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah right. no kidding. Six foot six. Hey, so t- uh, uh, you've been here in the Louisville area for about eight years, you said? Right. And what do you do? So I have the privilege of teaching Bible
2: at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I also serve as the pastor of Kenwood Baptist Church. And Kenwood Baptist Church has just in, in the last two months merged with Victory Memorial Baptist Church. So we are now Kenwood Baptist Church at Victory Memorial and Victory Memorial is just a couple of blocks up from the, the UofL Baseball Stadium there. Hmm. Cool. So it's it's a great location. So um,
1: what are you going to call the church? Kenwood Baptist Church at
2: Victory Memorial. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That way we sort of, you know, we, we honor the heritage of Victory Memorial Baptist Church, which was, that name uh, grew out of the fact that all of the young men who went off to fight in World War One from that church came back alive. Wow. Hmm. And so they, they changed it. It was called Oakdale Baptist Church. I'd never even heard of the Oakdale neighborhood. Uh, but but they, at the end of World War I, they named it Victory Memorial to commemorate God's grace to them in bringing their sons back alive. Wow. Yeah. So we wanted to, to honor the heritage of that church, and yet we wanted to retain the name Kenwood because um, we feel like we're, we're moving in a good direction and, and mm. picking up some good momentum, we hope, and so we wanted to be identifiable.
1: And you've been the pastor there for? Since 2009,
2: so seven years. Okay. So I came, I came to Louisville in August of 2008 to teach at Southern, and I had been Teaching at a seminary in Houston and pastoring a church there, and so essentially, I I just looked around for a church that didn't have a pastor, and then uh, the Lord eventually led us to Kenwood the following April. Mm. So very cool. Yeah, it's been wonderful.
1: And so um, let's back up a little bit because you you played ball in high school, right? Right. Uh, played basketball baseball, and baseball. And baseball, and baseball, basketball, and baseball, and then uh, you you went to I went to the University of Arkansas,
2: and um, you know. Uh, College baseball programs, I think they have 13 scholarships that they can divvy up a certain number of ways, and so there there are not a lot of scholarship athletes. And the ones that are scholarshiped are partial scholarships. So here I'm, I'm making excuses for the fact that I was a walk on. Um, so I walked on at the University of Arkansas, and um, by God's grace, made the team and and had a great experience playing baseball there for a couple of years. Mm. So then you you got an English degree, right? So and it's interesting. Um, while I was playing baseball, the coaches would actually tell us, don't take English in the spring, because in the spring, baseball teams have to travel. They're on the road, and the English department is one of the only departments that takes attendance. <laughs> and so if, you, if you're if you on the road with the team, uh, you're not going to be in class, and you're not going to do well in those classes. So." the fact that uh, that my baseball career ended when it did allowed me to go study what I wanted to study. Ah. So it was good. And then you uh, you graduated from there and you went straight down to Dallas Theological Seminary. Correct. I went to went to DTS and um, I, I was really eager to learn the Bible and I'm um, and very thankful for the education that I received at Dallas. And then when I finished at Dallas I, I met my wife at DTS. Mm. Um, that's, that's a good place. That's
1: a good place to meet a wife.
2: Absolutely, this this side of of Jesus, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm so thankful for her. Mm. And um, and then when I finished at Dallas, I came here to Southern to pursue a PhD at at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary.
1: Soon as you got done with Dallas, you came straight here.
2: Right, straight through school from high school to college to seminary to PhD program, and um, uh, finished up in 2003. And then. Um, was very thankful to, to have the opportunity to teach down in Houston.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So then God brought you back here, and uh, that's...
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's remarkable the way that things have worked out. I mean, uh, it's it's a I think it's a miracle that I teach at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. When you consider where that place was um, in 1991, before Dr. Muller became the president, uh, they never would have hired a person like me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I actually believe everything the Bible teaches. You know what I mean? And um, and so the fact that I teach there, it's it's just one of those one of those comical um, works of God that that is just amazing.
1: That's so. So, what's your favorite class that you teach over there?
2: Uh, I I love to teach anything that allows me to be in the text of Scripture. And one one class I teach is is called Biblical Hermeneutics, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically just interpretation of the Bible. And what I try to do in that class is is teach what is referred to as biblical theology, which, which comes down to how did the biblical authors understand the world and earlier scripture? And so I'm really just trying to look at the way that they interpreted the Bible and then their own lives so that we can understand how they did that and then embrace it for ourselves.
1: That's good. Yeah, that's really good.
2: It's, I, that's, I hope many pastors will embrace it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's rich. So, but you... Uh, Jim, you got to the, the point of your life right now, right? Really, because there was one person who, uh, there, I, I, multiple people, but sure. one person kind of yeah. rises to the the cream to the top here um, of who really influenced you. Absolutely, no no one has had more
2: more influence in my life than my father, my, my earthly father, and um, um, so many things. I mean, I can remember when I when I was in college. And and this is this is a function of common grace that happens with all children, I'm sure. But I can remember noticing when I would greet people when I would meet new friends that I was doing this the way that my dad did it. Hmm. And then and then I can remember like catching my shadow in a window as I as I walked along and someone and thinking to myself that shadow looks like my dad. And and then then you know just the other day we have a three year old child and um, and um, he he saw a picture of my wife and I. And he said, Mom, with pops? <laughs> so my three-year-old son. <laughs> now, I guess I look old, but um, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a function of common grace that children are going to take after their their dad, their father, and I am incredibly thankful that that the Lord blessed me with a father who, who loves the Lord and who loves people and who consistently lays down his life for other people.
1: Um. Y- you kind of make a statement that your your dad you have never seen anybody sacrifice right like your dad
2: right yes I uh, um you know if if I, I heard I heard a pastor say one time that if we were to see if we were to see a video of the disciples with Jesus he would look just like the other disciples in terms of his human appearance mm-hmm. but if we were to see them in action we would know immediately which one of those guys was Jesus right. because he would be serving all the others. He would mm-hmm. be looking out for everyone else. And, and if, if we were to be, uh, in a room full of people and, and now, I mean, you know, it's not quite, it's not to the degree that Jesus is, but, but, uh, you guys would, you'd, you'd pick out my dad because he, he, he's mindful of other people. He greets people. He, he makes people feel comfortable. He looks out for people. He, we, we have a, a potluck meal every Sunday at our church, and when he comes um, to Louisville, he always makes sure that he gets me a plate of food because I'm often the last, one of the last people through the line. So he, ju- he just takes care of
1: people
0: all the time in all kinds of ways. Wow,
1: that's, that's awesome.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break and come back. There's a lot more to the story we're going to unpack. We're going to go back to uh, his, uh, Jim, what's your father's name? I'm sorry. It, he's Jim Hamilton, Sr. Okay, Jim Sr. We're going to go, Jim Jr. is going to talk about Jim Sr., and the story of sacrifice, and when I said there was a twist on it athletically, when you are, have the opportunity to play in the major league, of, you know you're a pretty good baseball player. And Jim Sr. had that opportunity. And we're going to hear about how a man can sacrifice for his family in a way and have that opportunity to do that in a way that is just that most men would not. And so we're going to take a break and we'll be back here more about Jim's story on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, co host here with Kurt Sauter of Further Still Ministries. And we are talking today about how men should sacrifice and model sacrifice for their families. And if you have sacrificed good flooring in your home, you really need to go to LN Credit Union and Carol Rogers Carpet One, more importantly, to pick out the carpet and new flooring for your home. And LN Credit Union, you can go and get the money from them to pay for it. You like that, Kurt? You, you know what, Chad? Um, <laughs> Those are our sponsors of our show. We want to thank Carol Rogers Carpet One and LNN and Credit Union for being great sponsors of our show. Back to you, Kurt. <laughs> You're not right, brother. <laughs> you need help. It took you a year to figure that out. Right?
1: <laughs> we have got uh, have Dr. Jim Hamilton, and uh, Jim, it's great to have you. And uh, you are here today because of your dad. Right. You, um, tell us, tell us the story. You growing up and what you saw in your dad. Sure. So um I need to start
2: back when when he was in school and obviously I wasn't there when he was when he was growing up but all through my life as I would meet people I would constantly hear what a what a what a incredible athlete my dad was and and everyone seemed to know him and everyone I mean I can remember being at at a high school gymnasium and this little old lady came up to me and she pointed to a place on the court and she said she said, Your dad used to drain those deep shots from right there. And he was a he was a big guy. He was about six four and he was two fifteen, two twenty. And and um um I, I'm convinced that that his during his high school career he was the best athlete in the state of Arkansas. And Wow. And when when he came to uh graduate, the the New York Met, New York Mets wanted to draft him, uh, but his father wanted him to go to college. And so um, there, were, there were large schools that were after him for either basketball or baseball. He was recruited by uh, the University of Arkansas and some other uh, schools in that part of the country. And he wanted to go somewhere where he could play both basketball and baseball. And, and he wanted to go somewhere where he could play right away. So he went to Washita Baptist University. And, and just recently, I was, I was back home for Thanksgiving, and I was hearing again the story about how <laughs> there used to be these these trailer homes, student housing trailer homes out um, behind the, the the outfield wall at the baseball stadium there, and they had to replace the roof because my dad hit so many home runs onto the roof <laughs> of those those trailer homes. I'm
0: guessing he told that story. Well, like that. <laughs> actually, it was my mom oh, telling okay, that story
2: go. because they they met in college and and um, so um, so he was he was phenomenal. His his senior year in basketball, he was the MVP of the high school all star game, and at you know in recent years. Um, every conceivable Hall of Fame that can put him in their Hall of Fame has tried to do so. So, you know, there the, are boys clubs in the city, there's a high school Hall of Fame, there's a state softball Hall of Fame, there's a college Hall of he's, he's in ev- all of their um, places of honor. Uh, so he was, he was a, a significant talent, and he had married my mother right before his senior year, and they had conceived me. And... Uh, I was born in April, and then he graduated, and he got the opportunity to go and, and try to make it, to try to uh, climb his way up the, the ladder through the minor leagues. So he left my mom and me in Fort Smith with his parents, and then he went to Sarasota, Florida, to um, to try to work his way up the ladder. And he was he was there with a young man named Gary Templeton, and uh, my no da- way yeah they were there at the same time, and my dad's dad. Um, my dad's dad he's passed away now but he used to tell the story that that my dad would call home and say they're they're all excited about this young athlete here named gary templeton and then my dad would his next statement would be i I, i'm a better ball player than this guy gary templeton (laughs) now that's that's probably some youthful pride and 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 a little bit of um hubris perhaps but but he could play and um and so his father would rib him over the years. you know they'd be watching Gary Templeton on, on television, he'd kind of elbow <laughs> him and say, "You still think you're better than this guy." Uh, but But the way it worked out is, um, we were short on funds we, we um my My dad was not from a wealthy family and um and obviously he was just out of college. he didn't have a lot of a lot of money. Um, and he got to a place where he had to make a choice, and the choice came down simply to. Am, am I going to support my wife and son, or am I going to chase my dream? That was, that was where it was. I mean, I, I've heard him, him tell the story of those days. He would, he would try to eat one of those continental mm-hmm. breakfasts you know, at the hotel, and then he would try to skip lunch. They're playing baseball all day long, and then he would really try to load up and eat a good meal. And the reason he's scrimping and saving is because he's trying to save every penny to send, ho- send home to keep, keep his wife and me uh, – you know, afloat, and and um, and he just got to the place where it was not going to work, and the finances were not there, and so he made the decision that he was not going to be uh, every little kid in America's hero. He was going to be my hero, and uh, the hero to my li- my two little sisters, and the hero to my little brother. Mm. And he and he came home and did that, and and um, what is what is. So striking to me about this is that across the years, I never once heard him complain. I never once heard him um, articulate verbally any regret over the decision that he had made. And you know, it's one thing not to not to speak complaints or speak your discontent. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to to have laid it down completely. And not live like you have any regret, and that's he. He lived like he had no regrets. I mean, he came home, and he he lived out that Jim Elliot saying, "Wherever you are, be all there." Mm. He he came home and he threw himself in to being a great dad and a and a, a an exemplary um, church member. And so he was always, you know, growing up. He was always enthusiastically involved in the youth ministry of the churches where we were where we were plugged in, where we were members. He was always ready to teach a, a kid's Sunday school class. He was always, he was always kind of one of, the, one of the right-hand man supporters of the youth pastor of our church. Um, he, he was just a, a phenomenal father. Um, and and a, I, I'm, I'm, my life is what it is because of the way that he um, never resented me. I mean, I was, the, I was the obstacle. You were the reason. I was the reason that he had to come home, and, and, um, and he loved me. He loved me. And, it, you know, it's, it, it, it brings out this truth that I've been thinking about lately. The best things in life are free. They're things that you don't have to pay for, but they're things that you have to lay down your life to get. You have to, you have mm-hmm. to
1: crucify your flesh to have the best things in life. That's uh, that's phenomenal. I, I I mean I'm just thinking, Jim. How many? I mean that's that is rare. That is so rare. Yeah. What you're what you're describing there in your dad. Yeah. Because there are there's just all of us guys. You know we we can just. We are prone to wander. We are prone to be selfish and uh, to sacrifice yep. and give up your dream, give up your what you worked for all through college, what you were dreaming to make it in the big leagues and to pursue that and to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. That's exactly
2: right. And, you know, you can, you can look at the headlines and see all of the athletes who are divorcing the wives of their youth for some um, younger, you know, whatever – uh, some other woman, and um, and and I think I, uh, along with never complaining and never evidencing any resentment, I think one of the best things my parents uh, did for us was the fact that they stayed married. They they stayed married. They they ensured a stable home, um, and and that I, I think the 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 ramifications of a commitment to to marriage and a commitment to joy. And a commitment to just being thankful and not complaining;
1: th- those are incalculable and immeasurable. But the, that that'll change a kid's life. Absolutely. That will not only change a kid's life; that will change a, a, a child's life, and then that child's. That's right. Uh, who has kids that's one right. day? I mean that, that is generational. That's exactly right. That's that's power. Amen.
2: Amen. Wow. And and you multiply it by four, and all of a sudden it begins to get exponential. You know, because um, my my the older of my two sisters has four kids. Uh, the younger of my two sisters is, uh, I think she has three. On the uh, I think the fourth is on the way. My wife would be <laughs> <laughs> elbowing. <and move. laughs> that's right. And then and then my younger brother has another couple of kids. So the, the, the you know the 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 ripple
1: effect is just multiplying. As it, as it proceeds outward. That's a beautiful thing. One, one man who says, I'm going to sacrifice That's right for the glory of God and for the benefit of my family, mm-hmm. and that will change
0: generations. Okay, well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and hear more about <clears throat> Jim Sr., Jim Jr., and how does this imply to us as men? Because there's two sides to this story. Uh, of, of those of us who have not, maybe those guys who have not had fathers like that, You know, what do we do to change that generation? And so we're going to talk more uh, to Jim about that. And uh, we thank you for listening, and we'll be back here shortly. She does have three with the fourth (laughs) on the way. She's probably going to hear this. Sorry. All right. So we're, we're clear on that, how many kids have. So we'll be back on Solid Steps Radio.